subjects that we got to touch on and their charts were really interesting as an entire family we really covered the entire Menendez family so the killers and the victims which was just pretty unique you don't, we don't have that we've never had that on the podcast before yeah so pretty cool always love doing synastry of family members too that's pretty pretty neat um, I think I think it's really fascinating every time yes so for this episode we are going to be doing our third cult in dark alignment history, this is actually one of the biggest cults um, that ever happened and uh, definitely huge events going on with it. We're going to be covering Jim Jones and the Jonestown Massacre today, which is just a wild story, very triggering um, from start to finish, really. So buckle up for that. Uh, and then we have other cool stuff going on with the podcast other than just the podcast. We did a really cool workshop. If you haven't had a chance to get in on that yet, we still have it available. Yes, you so, want to do that. Yes. It is psychology through the house system. So it like, relates it all together, and it's really, really fun. We had a great time making it. So check that out on uh, darkalignmentpodcast.com. And while you're there, you can also find all our social media all so, of it. All of it. So follow us, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. We're all over the place. And we try to give you guys some cool, fun content uh, all the time. Mm -hmm. All the time, always. So, <laughs> so definitely check that out. We also have merchandise available. So our logo is really amazing, thanks to Collab Design for creating it. Uh, we have stickers with our podcast logo that say, let's chart this bitch on them. So you definitely want that on your car or your favorite mug or your favorite tumbler or, you know, <coughs> on your face or wherever, you know, no judgment where you want to no put judgment. that. No judgment. Uh, <laughs> and then we also have custom dark alignment candles. Can we get, whoa, whoa, whoa. Can we get dark alignment pasties? <gasps> you could just use the stickers as pasties. I hadn't thought of this. Um, you said anywhere, no shame, and that's where my my mind. Went. Um, I love you <laughs> so much. Absolutely, we have dark alignment pasties available. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! Pasties, though. pasties. So be sure if you wear dark alignment pasties, we're gonna need photos. We're gonna need. Please send them to uh, darkalignmentpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Or any of our social medias. We definitely want these photos. I got yeah. very distracted by the pasties. My mind is somewhere else. Um, but we do have custom scented <laughs> candles by Anastasia Blue Alchemy oh that God. smell absolutely amazing. And when you burn them, it looks like blood. The wax looks yes. like blood. Pretty, pretty fantastic there. So, um, do you have anything that you want to share going on right now? I think you're taking a little... I'm taking um, a sabbatical. Um, <laughs> I'm taking a leave. This is usually, like, prime time for me, October and, like, mm -hmm. early November. Um, Between two eclipses. Like. Yeah, I think the eclipse, for 
me has something to do with it, the Scorpio eclipse. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I'm taking a break um, from doing readings for everyone except Patreon members. So unless you're on my Patreon, you're not going to get anything from me until probably next year. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, is, it, is this new patrons can can join? New patrons and, can and still join. I left it or? open for now. Okay. If it gets overwhelming, then I'll probably have to cut it off. Um, so if you do want to get in, you probably want to do that now Act before now. it gets overwhelming. <laughs> Quote overwhelming. Got it. Um, I don't know what that number would be, but yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, the number's not important. What is important <laughs> is if you're not a member of Veruca's <laughs> Patreon and you are looking to get a reading from her, which I highly suggest yeah. because she's amazing i don't get readings from anyone else i'm very biased um at this yeah, point patrons, in my life patrons get readings once a month yeah um and you know there's some other cool perks on there and there's some cool perks on our patreon that yes. you definitely want to get in on yes if you are on our patreon you're able to watch this live right now you don't have to wait for the full episode to come out and you get to see all of our behind the scenes footage which is pretty entertaining Mm -hmm. uh, most of the time <laughs> sometimes we're fumbling with cameras <laughs> sometimes we're just hanging out and talking sometimes we're doing uh some pre-episode work and content and looking at the charts early and like kind of giving you some some goodies that the rest the of the goodies. world giving you the goodies <laughs> really sexual good. tonight i feel i'm happy with that <laughs> scorpio when it's scorpio season, <laughs> it's um, scorpio season. that's really what's happening uh -huh. here um so yeah, check that out. Again, you can find all of that, all the links, all the info on darkalignmentpodcast.com. I am still available for readings. I've actually had a lot of them this week. Yeah. I can tell when it's eclipse time because I get, more. I get more and yep. I really don't advertise y'all like ever. Yeah, you don't. Um, I, <laughs> I just kind of organically get readings and right now has been like I'm still doing everything while I have the energy because if you follow us on social media you have already heard that I am pregnant I'm expecting my first child um, a baby girl this is our second podcast baby mm -hmm. and a girl mm -hmm. you've had a girl mm -hmm. um, and also spring girls yes yeah. uh weeks apart as far as birth date yeah. like due date it's is gonna be great yeah, and then also if we count Evelyn, my dog, she would be the third girl podcast baby because... <laughs> yeah, the last time we had an announcement like this for you was for Evelyn, the yeah, dog. Yeah, it was. So this is my first actual child. Um, pregnancy has been really intense, so that is part of our lab as well as I've been dealing with a lot Eclipses of, you Eclipses know, and pregnancy and, then and were sick. sickness yep. and... So... Really a lot this year. <laughs> we appreciate you guys, you know... Still supporting us, still being here, still mm -hmm. showing up for us. We're going to give you a great episode tonight. We're going to have a We're really... We're very excited. We've been waiting to do this one. I've wanted to do this episode for years, and actually, I believe it was two years ago, for Halloween, I was Jim Jones, and I posted it on That's the right. podcast. So, I have um, always been very fascinated by this cult. Cults in general have always piqued my interest, but this one, um, and well, you, if you've ever heard of Jonestown, which most of you have, I, mm -hmm. I assume, because it was just so huge, you know where the interest comes from. So we'll go ahead and just get into it. So sources for this podcast, I kept them <laughs> short, even though um, I've done so much. This is one of those that I have uh, indulged in information about it for so long, it's mm -hmm. really hard to nail it down. But as far as specifics for this episode that I intentionally consumed... <laughs> As a source, Wikipedia, which I love Wikipedia. I am due for my annual donation. I you talked to Jim about it, so, like, stay on me, harass <laughs> me, 
Um, I have to do my annual donation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you use this platform, please also donate. Like I can't, I can't do it all on my own. It's not. I can't have you Wikipedia fund the entire site of Wikipedia. Right. I can't have this all on my shoulders, guys. So if you use Wikipedia, please donate. Um, also, last podcast on the left has a five-part series on Jonestown. It is absolutely fucking amazing. Those guys do such a great job. I love them. I love their podcast. And that five-part series, like, so it's over 10 hours of Jonestown material that I, and this was not the first time I listened to it. This is maybe the third time that I've listened to the five-part series. she also took extra time, I remember, absolutely this one. Yes. Um, It's one of those that, like, they just do such a great job, and they, they include actual excerpts of Jim Jones speaking. Mm-hmm. So hearing the actual audio clips all the way through his entire career, which this cult lasted about 27 years, I believe. And I, from what I can tell, it seems like he did kind of change over time. Yes, absolutely. Um, and we're so. going to look at the evolution of Jim Jones yeah. uh, throughout this, which is going to be... Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> we're watching so much drag. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I do that oh when I God. watch a lot of Drag Race, too. I start, like, suddenly... This using... is not the podcast for that, though. <laughs> yes, it is. Is it? Is it? <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking about everyone getting killed, and I'm going to be like, slay. That, they were slain. They yeah. ate. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly... Yes. Read them to filth, girl. Um, so, another source that um, I consumed that was really good was Hulu has a documentary called Truth and Lies Jonestown Paradise Lost and that one is really interesting too. Highly recommend that. It's a short one. It's quick. It's more of like a whole overview Um, but the other sources that I went with are more of a deep dive. So Perfect. Now we're going to get into the overview. What was Jonestown? What, What are we here to talk about? So this cult was known as the People's Temple under the leadership of a man who eventually became kind of a maniac, uh, Jim Jones, and this all began in the late 1970s. So, if you have ever heard the phrase, don't drink the Kool-Aid, that is because of this story, which is fascinating, because they weren't even drinking Kool-Aid, and I'll get into that later. (laughs) Um, But this was the largest mass suicide. Um, It's really more of a mass murder, but the largest mass suicide in history um, and everyone, most everyone, died by cyanide poisoning. So really, really horrific. Um, I've got a few, let me see, I have a few different numbers for the total dead, and it's like, depending on the source, there's a different number, but it's all really close. Um, one source said 913, another said 918. So we're talking like small discrepancies, but yeah. nearly a thousand people died this day. Um And most of the victims, like a good portion of them, around uh, 270 is the number, Mm -hmm. uh, were children. So That's a lot more than I expected. And they did not ingest this poison voluntarily. Mm -hmm. So it's absolutely gruesome. Like, it's really horrific. So trigger warning once again. Um, And then Jim Jones himself did not die by cyanide poisoning. We're going to talk in detail. Um, And it was actually, it was was great flavor aid laced with cyanide. That's what yeah. it actually was. Um, but his death was not like everyone else's, and we'll we'll get into that later and discuss all the aspects of the tragedy. So buckle up for this madness. We're going to start with young Jenny. 
We're gonna we're gonna walk through his life, like I said, and see the evolution of how he changed over time. Um, so he was born James Warren Jones. He was born on May thirteenth, nineteen thirty one, in Crete, Indiana. They actually did call him Jimmy as a kid. I didn't know that when I titled the section Young Jimmy. So that was kind of like, I put that in as an afterthought because I was like, huh, I was on to something there. I figured um, you were just being funny. Uh, I when was. When I skimmed through. I was being funny. It was hilarious. <laughs> and then I found out that it was like a legit thing. And I was like, oh, um, it's not as funny. Um, but his mom called him Jimba. Which is weird, and like the guys on last podcast on the left had fun with this, and they were like, "It sounds like Simba, like you know, like the whole Jimba Joe, Jimba, Jimba G." It's just kind of weird. Um, oh, but I'm gonna have fun with that. Yes, we can call him that. So, as you can imagine, for Jimbaroo. someone who turned Jimbaru, Jimbaru, we're here for the Jimbaru. Oh, I can't remember what they actually called it now. Yes, it's Jimbaru. This is the Jimbaru. Um, but as you can imagine, somebody who grew up to be this type of person who would lead nearly a thousand people to their death, uh, he didn't have the best childhood. So this is, again, we see this on just about every episode of this podcast. I very rarely do we talk about somebody who had a pretty good upbringing. We have had a couple of those, but they're few and far between. <laughs> we have, uh, yeah. Jody Arias, for example, pretty decent childhood, nothing too crazy, even but it's also sometimes we don't know. Like, we don't know a lot about their childhood. Right. Um, yeah. But even by their own account, nothing mm. too horrendous <gasps> happened. Um, but Jim Jones is interesting. Uh, so his father actually came from a rich family. But he grew up very poor. And his parents were very absent, very neglectful. So his dad was a disabled World War One veteran who mm -hmm. had a lot of breathing problems as a result of his time in the service. So mm -hmm. because of this, he was disabled. And his mother was said to have, quote, no natural maternal instincts. <laughs> so that's rough. Um, okay. There was Cold also... Mom. Yeah. Cold, uncaring mom. There, yes, and there was a significant age difference between his parents, which was a lot more common back then mm -hmm. um, than it is now, but mom was said to be kind of a gold digger, so she knew he was from this wealthy family, so that was like part of the attraction for her, and multiple accounts reveal that the pregnancy was unplanned and unwanted, so she was bitter about being forced into the role of a mother, like that wasn't something that she wanted for her life or saw for her life. She was also very unhappy with the financial situation because she was forced to become the breadwinner of the family. Mm. So even though there was this family money and this inheritance, um, you know, her husband couldn't work. He was disabled. So she right. was forced to get a job. She actually got a job working in a glass factory, which sounds terrible. Mm. Um, so, yeah, the family was living in poverty. And Jim being unsupervised a lot of the time. I mean, he spent most of his young life wandering the streets, kind of alone, mm -hmm. um, or found himself in the care of random neighbors. So that's kind of that's kind of interesting. Um, they were willing to give him food and clothes, which is actually pretty nice that neighbors saw this lone kid and mm -hmm. they were like, well, he's, he needs help and we're yeah. going to help him. I'm glad that somebody stepped in. Um, but one of the neighbors started taking him to her church, and it was an evangelist church at a very young age. And this is what kind of sparked his obsession. He had a true obsession 
with church and preachers and pastors and kind of the whole hmm. the whole thing. Um, but another thing that we talk about on this podcast as far as risk factors go is neglect. Mm-hmm. Very, very strong risk for uh, antisocial behavior because a neglected child is going to learn that they can't really trust the world around them from an early age. We talk about this a lot in our workshop, actually, yeah. where we're talking about the house system and those, like, foundational parts of life. Like, if you're not able to establish trust at a young age, you learn the opposite. You learn mistrust. Yep. You learn to be weary of the world and that it's not going to take care of you. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. the response to a child is really, really important. They need that response uh, from their caretakers, and when they don't get it, it, it very much puts them uh, more at risk, especially if there aren't any resiliency factors in the mix. Mm-hmm. So, I think some of that we talked about in the second house. Yeah, that's um, what I was thinking. And he, has, he has Lilith in the second house. Interesting. Um, so he felt like he had to like empower himself in that way. Mm-hmm. Like he had to find um, some way to like rise above the situation he was in, and it's in Pisces, so wow. it is kind of like this like God. Um, like spiritual connection, this that's like higher power thing. Wow, that that's where he found that solace. So that, it sounds like that's where what he did when he was younger, at least. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the other thing, when when there's neglect involved, there's a lack of social interaction. Yeah, and that also sets a child up to have more difficulty and be more inclined to um, have antisocial behaviors come out as a result. Mm-hmm. So. It's one of those things where, like, because he didn't have a lot of social interaction, he had trouble making friends, and peer acceptance is super, super important. So, neighbors said from a young age, Jim was obsessed with a couple of things. Like I said, religion, but he was also obsessed with death. So, that's not a thing that makes you, like, super popular. (laughs) Um, This is, you're going to love this. This feels very, like, Scorpio, so I'm dying to know where Scorpio, like, what his Scorpio placements are, because... He hosted funerals at recess, and this is wild, but he would take other kids to the local coffin factory at night. So they left everything unlocked back in the day. They didn't lock buildings and businesses. They didn't think about it. They didn't have to. Mm -hmm. So him and a bunch of school kids, somehow he got them to go with him, and uh, they'd go into this coffin factory, and he would tell them all to climb inside so they would know what it was like to be dead, (coughs) which is... You know, um, which other kids, like, thought that was weird and, like, didn't go back with them, you know, multiple times. Uh, (laughs) Also, he had really inappropriate responses to conversation. So if somebody was, like, to say hello to him, his response would be, um, like, if you said good morning, he'd be like, hello, bitch, or hey, you dirty (laughs) bastard. So So this is a Mars and Leo in the eighth house. (laughs) Okay, I've yeah. got an eighth house Mars. Yeah, it's kind of like that. Like, you're kind of motivated by in that, like, dark way, mm-hmm. in that, like, death way. Yeah. And it's in Leo, so he's expressing it uh-huh. as a child, in a childlike fun <laughs> way. That's what this is. That's very fun. The Mercury thing kind of got me thinking about what he said, stuff he says. Um, I've got a lot of good quotes from him as we go, too. But he has a real interesting Uranus placement, so I think he likes the shock value of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then his Mercury just kind of, like, makes it flow, but it feels grounded. Wow. That's what I'm getting so far. Wow. Based on what you're saying. That's great. Okay. And the chart. Fascinating. So he's got all these risk factors piling up, too, because, you know, peer acceptance, not going so well, not really good at the social interaction, mm-hmm. parents are very neglectful, growing up in poverty, 
skin, all risk factors. Um, another thing that made him kind of like awkward was that he always wore his Sunday best to school. So he was dressed way up, like way up. Capricorn rising. Oh, <laughs> this is great. I like just throwing out the. I love that you're doing that. Like it's, it's, he has a Tholus in the as like the first thing in his Capricorn rising with Saturn there and Vesta. He's devoted and very strict. Very, uh -huh. yeah, it's extreme. Yes, very extreme. It's yeah. very theatrical, too, which is that, like, Leo energy. That Mars. Yep, that mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense. It's um, a very crazy combo of, he, of placement so far. He's a really interesting uh, character to kind of look at from, from how he started out and so how he ended up, which... Like, so rigid, but also... <sighs> real expressive yeah. about that mm -hmm. um and he he continues to get more expressive i mean you yeah. know when you start a cult you tend to really oh, yeah, voice you your stuff so mm -hmm. another big change that happened for him is his parents got a divorce mm -hmm. so this meant jim had to move he moved to richmond indiana and that's where he graduated high school he was actually a pretty good student, so that's a resiliency factor. That's something that's kind of working in his favor, that he, you know, had good yeah. basic intelligence going on. So he was not an unintelligent person. And I feel like anyone who does lead a cult to this degree um, is pretty intelligent to figure out the formula to make that happen. And his yeah. organizational skills were impeccable. Yeah, Which that's a lot of organizing. Now that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, he really built an establishment. That's what he's out here to do. Mm -hmm. Is like it's it's not enough for him to r rise above his own situation. He has to create an empire of it. Yes. Yeah. That was the entire yeah. movement of just everybody else to do it. Even even just hosting funerals at recess. Like he couldn't just keep it to himself. He had to like <laughs> come on, guys, let's go <laughs> rally the troops. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Um, and, you know, back to more of, like, the, the Capricorn rising is how rigid mm -hmm. his, his views were very rigid, uh, especially politically. And that's what's, I think, so fascinating about Jonestown is that it was never a religious cult. And you normally see a religious cult happening where there's some form of God. Yeah. His cult was entirely political. Hmm. It was about the big socialist movement. So his views were very, very radical. Some more Capricorn. Yes. Yeah, then most of the other ones were like, you know, a lot more like Aquarius, Pisces. Yep. Maybe and sad. they had those placements in common. Yeah, but no, his is more like, he has a lot of earth. Like, he's, he shows up in a more like... Very grounded yeah. way. Yeah. Also, uh, let's talk about his role models growing up. <clears throat> One of his biggest role models uh, was Hitler, but not for political reasons. He actually just liked the way that Hitler spoke and commanded <laughs> attention. He, it was like he took notes. I gotta look at Hitler's chart now. Okay, do it. Um, but this is like, you know, a big red flag for anybody who's looking up to Hitler. That's not great. But, yeah, no. <laughs> but he kind of like mixed this with um, other figures that he saw growing up that commanded a room. So, like I said, when he was younger, that neighbor took him to a Pentecostal church. He always wanted to be a preacher, and this was a long-standing interest. Um, even though he wasn't super <laughs> religious, he just liked the way people listened to everything the preacher had to say. Yeah, he wants to be in charge. He wants mm -hmm. the control, the power. So he started going to a bunch mm -hmm. of different churches. He starts like a boss, like a Capricorn rising. Yes. 
he started basically studying this. So he went to a bunch of different churches, just being obsessed with religion, just paying attention to how the crowd responded oh. to the pastor, the preacher, whoever. Um, so it was kind of like the perfect storm of everything, uh, the way this all manifested. And then, you know, he did have love in his life. We're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about that. So not long after high school, Jim got a job working at a hospital, and that is where he met his future wife, Marceline, who he married in 1949. Okay. He was only 18 when he got married, so pretty young. He's still very young Jimmy going on. Um, she came from a political family and was a devout Methodist. Because of her family's reputation, I think that's what made her such an attractive partner for Jimmy oh, Jones really? with what he was passionate about and trying yeah. to do. I think he saw her as the perfect counterpart for his big plan of how right. he was going to... It, it, gave it him, fit into what he wanted. It made him more reputable by mm -hmm. just being associated with her and her powerful family. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the reputation that he wanted, making him a somebody through her. Wow. So, um, and she was drawn to his charisma and his compassion for the patients at the hospital. Um, but it really feels like these were more of just manipulation tactics that he was it using. It kind of fits because, you know, he's got North Node... In Aries, Uranus in Aries, Moon in Aries, uh, Murder Moon, Murder Moon, um, Venus in Aries, and Juno in Aries. So he's got the marriage Whoa. and the heart space like right on where his um, his like life path is, his North Node. So it kind of makes it tied into his motivation for what he wants. Yes, like he's it's all connected into what his goals for his life. And he's a Capricorn rising; he's very goal oriented already. Yes. Um, so his goals are to, you know, do this Aries energy thing, third house, which is like very like small communities, like, but it's kind of a big one by the end of it. But it starts. He wants to create though. a community, an yeah. empire out of a community. Wow. Um, so I see the marriage playing into it. Was my point because it's so close to the North Node. That makes all the sense because it was like he chose her, and he waited till kind of later on. It sounds like he didn't get married really young. Well, he got married at eighteen. Oh, never mind. So he was pretty young. He, he already knew what he wanted to do, though. That's what's yeah, so interesting is that he already had... It's almost like he was a miniature adult from very early childhood. Like, he didn't... It doesn't feel like Jim Jones was ever really a child. Like, he wasn't doing really child things. He was always interested in kind of emulating adults around him and adulthood and commanding this attention and, like, having people responding to him and what yeah. he had to say. He wanted people to listen to him. Right. He felt like he had a lot of important <laughs> messages and views and wanted people to kind of go along with him. So that's really interesting that it was always like that. Hmm. Um, and so he, like, learned to hone these skills. I think from watching all he these... He studied it. He did. He yeah. studied it. He made... He, it's like he took notes. He honed his skills. He knew what he was good at. Um, and he knew what worked and didn't work with people. So, he continued to follow his preacher dreams. He continued a formal education at Butler University. Um, he became a member of the Communist Party and began his ministry. So, he was a socialist and not a Christian. Mm -hmm. Again, more political interests. Yeah. So, um, his, his ninth house, which would be like that college studying thing, um, is where his south note is. So, this is that's like earlier life. And Sarah's there. And then Libra, which is more like judicial, political, like, mediation type stuff. It's like, interesting because he was so 
um, a lot of what he was doing with this socialist movement was based in equality, which is very Libra, mm -hmm. um, specifically racial equality. Started out more on the equality side, yes. ended up <laughs> on the Aries death murder side. Right. Yeah. But equality is really what got him all the attention and like mm -hmm. um, got him started. So the next section is starting Occult 101. So you want to just kind of speak to anything else that jumped Ooh. out in his childhood that we haven't already like Well, I looked at Hitler's chart. Oh, yes. <laughs> let's, let's do a comparison. This is um, great. Okay, so. A bonus chart. Bonus chart. I mean, I wasn't planning on this. Um, and it's not in my program, so it's a little bit like. Um, <laughs> it's fine. It's just annoying to me. Um, <laughs> so, he, Hitler was also a Taurus. I did not know that. Yeah. So, um, he already likes them because they, they're the same sign. Um, because Jim Jones is a Taurus, um, with an Aries moon and a Capricorn rising. Hitler is a Taurus with a Libra rising and a Capricorn moon. So they've got the Capricorn hey. Taurus stuff going, um, and he, Hitler also has Jupiter conjunct his moon in Capricorn, so it makes it, like, extra... Mm -hmm. You know? Um, and I see he's got Saturn in his 10th house in uh, Leo. So that's a lot of expression <laughs> of the Saturnian structure and rules and, like, really expressing all the things that he wants to be the, the groundwork, you know, the foundation right. for what he's building. I think that, um, I see why that would appeal. Yeah, it makes sense why um, he was drawn to yes. someone like Hitler. It's yeah. really fascinating. Um, Jim Jones had his, has his Mercury in uh, Taurus, on the early part of Taurus, and Hitler has his at the end of Aries, so they're on the same cusp. Wow. Um, so I think he probably appreciated how um, similar Hitler's speech was, but also how it's a little more like aggressive and shorter, more blunt. Yeah. You know? And the way the crowds responded to Hitler. That was yeah. the other thing that Jim Jones was really captivated by was the response. Mm -hmm. And that's what he was trying to emulate. Like, okay, I want to yeah. do this so I get this reaction. And he really started to understand how to get the reactions he wanted out of people. And a lot of that, I feel, did come from his work in the hospital where he, like, a lot of his followers were the elderly. Mm -hmm. And he was working with the elderly and making them feel cared for and being this caretaker role being so gentle and compassionate like Marceline loved his compassion that she felt like he had for these people and it seemed like he had that for his followers and I, I think he might have early early on his, is what it kind of sounds yeah. like and we'll he, get into all that at least he came off caring at yes. the beginning is what it sounded like to me he was actually doing things for these people that nobody else was doing like actually helping them Yeah. and literally this was a community that was entirely ignored so, for him to come in as a white man and That's help huge. this underprivileged community, I mean, like, he was he was kind of ahead of his time when he yeah. came onto the scene. It just, it's crazy how it, it ended so badly, but it right. started as this, what seems like a really positive thing. It's fascinating. Hmm. Fascinating story. <laughs> If you are in Northwest Arkansas and looking for affordably priced photography and videography services, then you should definitely reach out to Nice NWA. Yes, you should. With photo sessions starting at $100, now is a great time to update your company's headshots, get graduation photos, new family pictures, and more. 
Looking for video work instead? Yes, videos start at just $300 and are a great way to boost your marketing engagement online with current customers and potential new customers. It's also a great way to create highlight reels of your next event or just to tell your story in an exciting and creative way. NICE is not just locally owned and operated, but is also a certified minority and veteran-owned business that started right here in Northwest Arkansas in 2017. So go check them out on Facebook or on Instagram at NiceNWA or by visiting their website at NiceNWA.com. Is there anything else you want to touch on on his childhood before we're looking into starting a cult 101? Yes. So early life. I, I usually look at like the beginning houses. Um, I like I like this motion. So yeah. watching so much drag, I can't. I know you're so fabulous. <laughs> I've been binging lately. You're so fabulous. I'm fabulous all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. My look is extremely unfabulous, but I'm feeling fabulous. Uh, your look is fishy, and, <laughs> and I approve. Oh my god! All right, so all right. Okay. I've got to focus. Um, <laughs> Too much fun. His early life, the, the first house, he does have Saturn there. Um, that can be a pretty um, cold or maybe feeling uncaring kind of upbringing. But it is in Capricorn, it's ruler, so it's kind of like maybe he vibes with that a little bit. <laughs> He's into it. Um, I feel like maybe that's, that doesn't feel so, so heartbreaking to him. Um, I'm sure it affects him, but it seems like maybe not as much as it might if you were like, I don't know if it was in like in Cancer or like in Pisces or something. Um, I don't think he's having like huge emotional meltdowns about it, I guess. That's maybe what I'm trying to say. Um, this can show like maybe um, a lot of extra stress or anxiety on how he comes off to people on like his, you know, his direct appearance, um, his identity, he might have a hard, he might have had a hard time kind of nailing down who he feels like he really is, you know, how he shows up in the world. Um, but then the second house comes up pretty quick with that Lilith placement. So all of a sudden he's like, no, I have, I have this power, um, this, this emotional power. It's almost like he's, he's like taking advantage of other people's empathy. Yes. Like, to level up himself is what it feels like on the chart. Um, it makes a sextile up to that Saturn and a sextile down to his son. Um, but anyway, then the third house, um, moon, a bunch here. So I feel like this is family chaos and, like, family stress. Um, we got Uranus and the moon and the north node and Venus. And <laughs> it just seems like a lot of Aries fast fire energy, but like it's kind of propelling him forward, but also it's it feels like sporadic yeah. a little bit. It's definitely tied to the mom. Um with the moon stuff, with the moon being here. Uh I think this is a lot of like whatever trauma his mom kinda whatever environment she provided for him because of her situation right. is what this feels like. And I think that a lot of a lot of his stuff feels like it's related to this, this third house. Yeah. Um, let's see. There's a lack of supervision. He's kind of bouncing around. Yeah. He's, like, got neighbors um, care taking care of him. Like, he's... Yeah, the community not... is kind of taking care of him. Like, his small communities. It's interesting. It's, like, third house stuff. And mm -hmm. it's, like, that's where his caretaking is yeah. coming from. It's just this outside... He's just kind of bouncing around the whole yeah. system. This little, little, little neighborhood. They're, they're going to raise me. They're going to take care of me. Like... Yeah. 
And he's got to be kind of independent with that Saturn in the first mm-hmm. house. Like, he's taking care of himself. He's doing it. Right. I don't think he, like, went to anybody for this care. I think they just took it upon themselves Mm -hmm. to help this wandering child. Like, I really feel like it was, you know, Mm -hmm. a compassion thing that maybe he was like, oh, Mm -hmm. I could do that. Like, it almost was like he (laughs) modeled that behavior and, like, he wanted to take in the people of the world that were kind of Mm -hmm. wandering and... I mean, with everything... When you got Pholus as your first placement <laughs> on your chart, everything in your life is going to be kind of extreme. Yeah. Um, and then the fourth house, he's got Juno and Mercury and um, Chiron conjunct his sun in Taurus. That's So mm. Chiron conjunct the sun does kind of give you this, like, trauma healer uh, identity. Yeah. Um, like, your your character as yourself is, like, Oh, I went through this horrible thing, and now I'm here to help everyone else. I was this lost child, and now I'm gonna heal the lost children of the world. Like it, it can be is. good, uh, it can be bad. Um, and this is in the fourth house. It has a lot to do with the home and feeling secure, feeling cared for, maternal stuff. It's in Taurus. It's like all of this, like comfy, cozy, security feeling. Um, and he's able to speak on that. He got Mercury there. Um, he probably sounds like. Pretty, like, self-assured when he talks, I would imagine, with all the um, earth, but also really fired up because of the fire placements, like, really, um, I don't know about aggressive, what's a better word, but, like, Uh, there's some power. Assertive? Yeah, assertive, real assertive, I could see him coming off, like, kind of exciting and sort of grounded. Even passionate. Passionate. Mm -hmm. Very passionate about what he has to say. And he um, felt like he had a lot to say, which is why he wanted to, like, command the attention of the room. Like, what I have to say is so important. Like, mm-hmm. people need to hear it. How can I make sure to emulate other people that, like, people yeah. listen to? Like, I want to be the person that people listen to. That really was, like, a goal of his. So, And he'll be, you know, he'll he'll really find um, more opportunities and stuff uh, through coming off caring. Because he's got Jupiter, yep. conjunct Pluto in... Cancer. And it's in the seventh house that'll so tie into relationships too, that'll help him. Yeah. Help him carry forward with his goals. And it really does. Yeah. So any any other that's, that's okay. good. I wanna go I We've got a more. lot to talk I about. I wanna here. hear more. Okay, so more <laughs> things. Starting a cult one oh one. So we're gonna kinda go back to Jim. He's a young adult. This is kind of where we're at. So he was looking for a place in the world. Where he could not only be heard, but he wanted to have power. We've talked a lot about power. We've talked a lot about control so far. These are things that he was seeking. Mm-hmm. He had all this charisma. He had all this presence. Um, he was described as having a fire, which makes all the sense with all the fire and chest. Yeah. We've already been talking about a fire in his soul. He was extremely outspoken about things like race and class. He was attracting this disenfranchised group of people, preaching about social justice equality these things are important to him um so he sort of learned this in childhood when kids his age weren't interested in playing with him so when those kids that he took to the funeral play funeral with Mm him uh thought he was weird he would then appeal to younger kids instead (laughs) and earn their attention and their loyalty 
So he yep. carries this whole concept with him throughout life. Like, if I can't get this group of people to listen to me, I can get this other group. So Yeah, that doesn't deter him. That doesn't, no. like, make him... It makes him better at what twice. he does. It, it just makes him do it again. It helps him hone his skill and, like, choose a different group of people <laughs> to appeal to. So that yeah. was part of, like, this disenfranchised group of people. Like, well, they'll listen to me because mm-hmm. I'm saying what they want to hear. Mm-hmm. I'm preaching a message that's going to mean a lot to them. So I don't, find the right audience. Yeah, he found his audience. He's very self-assured. Like, if he had doubt, if he wasn't all these earth placements, you know? Right. He'd be like, oh, maybe I need to rethink this or that. No. Yeah. Which is also what uh, other Mr. Colty had, like, some Taurus placements. Right. Um, Manson. Manson. Charles Manson. Yeah. Yeah. Charlie Manny. Charlie Manny. Had, over uh, there. had some self-assuredness with what he was talking about, too. I think he was Taurus Rising. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, So we already talked about him being passionate. He was a very passionate speaker, so people wanted to listen to him. He talked about creating this integrated society. It sounds very um, idyllic, especially at this time when there was a lot of racial tension. People were just flocking to him. He went into all black neighborhoods to preach this message. He was going to places that nobody else was going and he was making an effort and doing all of this. And nobody was doing this in the 1950s. Like, this is a really tough time. And because of all of this, and because of his willingness to go and appeal to these people, he was able to start his own church. And his first church that he started was called Community Unity. <laughs> I know. I love that, I love that your response is Remember Yolidarity? <laughs> I, like I tried to forget that. Yeah. He, mm, I, I hate it so much. Um, There's like, it's just a funny name for a group that genuinely helps people on Facebook, but it's just a, the name is so funny. Uh, instead of solidarity, they called it Yolidarity. Because it's southern. Because we're south. southern and it's embarrassing, so. Um, it sounds like that. Community unity. It does sound like that. <laughs> um, and then this church was located in the inner city. So this was oh, okay. accessible to the people that he's trying to reach mm-hmm. right in their backyard. Um, very much where he wanted to be. So his congregation was almost 100% African American. And historically, this was a time where, like I said, racial tension, the ideology of Jim Jones was refreshing. It was different. Um, he was sort of ahead of his time. Once again, the message that he gave people was hope. His followers genuinely wanted to be part of something good in the world. That was a big common thing that his followers always had about them is that they wanted to be part of what they thought was this great thing that he was creating and doing so it's ironic but jim jones was an atheist actually so that's why his mission was so much more political than it was religious uh he didn't announce this to his followers like they didn't know that he was an atheist he wasn't like proudly saying things like that but just his message never really focused on Mm -hmm. Um, anything religious-based, the Bible, yeah. anything like that. It was always about this equality and um, integration and being, we're all one kind of a message. So mm. at this That's point, perfect. he is really helping people, though, at this point in time. Like, he's doing good things. Um, he was helping people, like, who, you know, needed resources. He was connecting yeah. them to the right resources. He was helping people get um, what they needed, like get their electric bills taken care of, get power on in their house, like do it. He was actually making real change in these people's daily lives, and people were seeing that. So that made them loyal to him, that mm-hmm. made them look up to him, that helped them believe in him. 
and tell more people about it, of course. So this of is course. a growing group. Shit didn't start really getting weird until he started using, like, a con in it all. He did start intentionally conning his, his uh, followers. So he was really big into faith healing because he would go to revivals and stuff when he was a kid. So that's like the laying of hands mm -hmm. and like the working miracles. And Jim loved how theatrical it was and how big and grandiose this was. And so um, he kind of took notes on how amazed the crowd was. And again, how the crowd responded to what they were seeing. So like these big like miracles you know that's what was important to him yeah. that was important was the crowd response it's just like if you're a musician and you're on stage in a band like you're gonna play the hits you're gonna like what makes the audience go wild mm -hmm. you know what they like and he knew what his audience wanted to see and what they liked and what could get the biggest response so while he was doing good for people he still cared a lot more about the crowd response like that was his whole motivation so his followers at that point, when he's performing these cons or miracles, like it looked like a miracle, uh, but it was all a setup. They were convinced that he had this godlike power, even though he never talked about God and never talked about religion. Like they were kind of just convinced. He just kind of became like that. Yes. Yeah. He set himself up to be that. So mm. he was staging these healings. There's some very famous footage. You can find it online. It's fascinating. There's a wheelchair-bound woman who is there and he calls her out of the crowd and he's like, you know, doing his whole thing and working this miracle and he tells her to get up, get up and walk. And suddenly she, she's get up and she's moving. And um, mm -mm. next thing you know, she's running across the room. No. The crowd goes absolutely wild. So it wasn't real, but it was real to the people in his congregation. It was real to the people who were there mm -hmm. witnessing it. Like, right. we just saw a miracle mm -hmm. before our very eyes, you know? So, because of this, wow. his group continued to grow. Like I said, he was gaining popularity. And eventually, they outgrew their space. So, they had to move into a new one. So, Jim found um, a new venue. It was formerly a Jewish temple. And this is where... The word temple and people's temple came from. Mm. So on the building, the word temple was there, and that sparked the name for the new group in his mind. So mm. people's temple. His followers referred to him as father. They viewed him as the oh. most kind. Oh, you're watching it. Yeah, I pulled it. Oh, you're watching it. Yeah, you can find this very easily. Um, but they viewed him as the most kind and generous person. That they had ever met. Wow. Right? Yeah, these people look, um, not in trance, like in love with him. Yes. Yeah. And they were. His followers were absolutely in love. They they called him father, or eventually they called him daddy. They used to in full belief. Daddy? They called, they him, called daddy. him daddy. They did. They called him daddy, uh, which daddy. is kind of intense. Daddy Jones. Mm -hmm. Daddy Jim Baru. Daddy Jim Baru. And once he had all this power, he found different ways to use it. So he worked to get this, like, establish this power that he had and then use it. So this cult, again, had been around for more than 20 years. So this was a slow burn. This was a slow build. This was yeah. not something that blew up in three years and fizzled out. This was, he really, wow. like, very Capricorn rising took the time to, like, build this empire into what it became. He rushed. It just, he just did the work. He was also a really great businessman. More yeah, Capricorn sure. energy. I'm sure. He started a nursing home. 
that was like a, like a facility through the people's temple because the elderly were a big part of his mm-hmm. following. So this gave his followers jobs. It gained their trust. It was a way to turn a profit mm-hmm. as well. Because um, you don't create all of this with no money. But how he would do this yeah. is he would actually absorb their homes. Yeah. And then move them into the nursing home. So, like, he was um, obtaining property yeah. through this and more financial gain. So, it's, again, the word fascinating. It just, like, keeps coming to me. Like, wow. it's such a fascinating thing. And another wild fact. This is so good. You're going to die. You're going to die. Are you ready for another one of his side hustles? Yeah. Um, he sold spider monkeys door to door. I am not even kidding. He was a door-to-door spider monkey salesman on top of no. all. <laughs> no, no, I can't. Um, so that's kind of the build up of uh, the cults. Um, the next section. Don't is, let your kids sell spider monkeys. Don't let your kids sell or buy spider monkeys from door-to-door salesmen. Don't let them become one or purchase one. I feel like it's mm. not to be trusted. Um, oh my god. So, the next section is really where things start to go dark, because right now we're talking about happy times in Jonestown, and there were some really good times. That's why people followed him so devoutly, and were so, like you said, you could see they are just in love love with with this guy. Yeah, they were. So. And knowing what happened now, watching these videos, I really think all of you guys should. Yeah. Maybe we'll post the link in our... Yeah. Maybe we'll post some of these videos uh, somewhere. I think we should. We should put them somewhere, but it's it's really fascinating to... Yeah, she's running. Yeah, she's She's not even walking. She's running. She starts out walking and hobbling, and then he tells her to run. He tells her to. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, this footage. This was before the sunglasses. This this is the early days of Jim Jones before he wore the sunglasses, mm-hmm. which the reason he wore sunglasses later on, I'll just go ahead and spoil yeah, alert, um, is because he was doing a lot of drugs, <laughs> oh and he was what actually supposedly about? amphetamines, which, like, is yeah, pure Hitler, um, but his eyes were so red that, like, he didn't want anybody to see his eyes. You better just wear sunglasses all the time. Right, so he wore sunglasses 24 All of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seems less suspicious. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so. Man. Yeah, he, um, <laughs> I almost thought you were going to say because maybe he, like, liked that power dynamic, like, nope. they can't see my eyes thing. Yeah, I think that would have, like, worked in his favor to, mm-hmm. like, look people in the eyes. Yeah, because like, he, he did this caring thing. But yeah. when your eyes are all fucked up. <laughs> this empathy thing, but mm-hmm. not real empathy. When your eyes are, like, all red and terrible, like, nobody's going to really want to look at them. So, the cult starts to go very dark, of course. There's a turning point. We always see this. Um, The fun times, the happy times where everybody's getting in there and then Mm -hmm. something really dark and twisted happens. Well, obviously that happened here. But over time, he started to separate the families in the cult and reestablish them by appointing new partners for everyone. So, kind of, like, reassigning how the families go. Um, If he thought someone was attractive... Male or female. He got them. He would come on to them. Yeah. Yes. Yes. He used <laughs> sex as another form of power and dominance over everyone, regardless of gender. He's using that Mars placement. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and, it, like, so, yeah, gender wasn't really a thing for him. Mm-hmm. Um, he claimed he didn't like it when he had to um, have same-sex interactions, but that it was part of his calling. Oh. Well, he's not enjoying it or anything. Okay. Um, right. All right. Uh, he also conducted public beatings. What? Of the members of the congregation, which wow. was terrifying. Like, it was horrible. So he would degrade this them This is first. all Mars crap. This yeah. is all his Mars doing stuff, yeah. 
he would first degrade them in front of everybody else. So it was like the humiliation and the shame. Mm. Uh, really, really terrible. And then he would beat them sometimes with chains. And they would be bloody. Like, like really. Yeah, he's going to put on a full show. And I've heard yeah. the audio recordings of this. And it's so disturbing. Um, screams. Because he's, he's, all you really hear is him laughing. What? And it's this high-pitched, chipmunk-sounding, no. demonic fucking laugh. Um, it, it's so horrible to listen to, but I have listened to it. Uh, it's, he was very physically, verbally, and spiritually abusive to these people. So, mm. yeah. Um, the audio files are intense. If you feel inclined to listen to them and you want to hear this laugh, like, go for it. But you've been warned. It's, it's pretty rough. So, but this whole thing just made his followers want to please him even more. Mm-hmm. But they were already so um, committed. Right. Yeah. He had full control over everyone in Jonestown. Things continued to escalate. He enjoyed playing these sadistic games with his closest followers or the inner circle. The inner circle was like the leadership, mm-hmm. and there were uh, 13 people in, in the leadership group. So this is a very small circle when you consider how large right. this group became. So, uh, and a lot of the survivors have have out, talked about this and yeah. what it was like to be in that inner circle and uh, gave firsthand accounts of wow. this. So one night he gave his um, his inner circle glasses of wine, and no one drank alcohol since they joined the people's temple. So it was like, oh. Okay, like they were like, oh, we're drinking wine, all right. Like they were kind of like, oh, is this a test? They, of course it was. Of course test? it was a fucking test. So, um, so they were they were excited. They were like, okay, we'd love to have a drink. A few minutes after everyone had communion, Jim tells them that they've all been poisoned and had one hour to live. Truthfully, that had not happened. They were not poisoned. Right. It was fine. He did this just to watch how they reacted. He groomed these people to be ready for what happened later. And you see, he does this multiple mm-hmm. times, but, like, a mm-hmm. few minutes into like, this... Like, he's this, like, thing of death. Yeah. Yes, and a few minutes into it, he laughed and told them they all passed the test. So, like, he did this stuff to them a lot. Uh, it's... it's it, it, the Hulu documentary is where you can see these interviews if you'd like to check that out. But they truly worshipped him. They idolized him. They loved him. They were so obedient. And then the more things escalated the more paranoid that Jim Jones got about everything going on with with Well, it sounds like maybe the drug use was also going up, too. Yes. So, he got really paranoid when people would leave the group. The drug use and the Lilith and Pisces. Ooh. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, So, people leaving the group, he took that as a personal attack. He was extremely offended. Um, like he couldn't just let, even though when the group got really big, he couldn't handle one person leaving. Like that was just like a, so insulting to him. So he called those people traitors, of course. And, um, it was like a big deal. Like everybody was known to, to look at those people as traitors. Like how dare they leave this amazing group? Like, what are they thinking? Like, so over the next, you know, little while he decides he's going to move his cult that started in Indiana they had migrated to San Francisco. He's now going to take them out of the country to Guyana. Mm-hmm. And this is in South America. It's on the North Atlantic coast. It's basically a dense rainforest. It's not yeah. 
an inhabitable space, really. It's not, you know... Like they're surviving there. They're right. They're, like, working to survive. Yeah. So he's basically going to move people into the jungle mm-hmm. and further isolate them. Mm-hmm. So the way he did this was so interesting because he didn't want to catch a lot of attention mm-hmm. for what he was doing. He wanted to kind of make it um, strategic, very organized again. So small groups of the members would start to get passports and fly out to the new location. So he kept it all under the radar this way, kept it all under control. He was so in control of how this all went. And once they were on the island, he made them all wake up every day at 5.30 and to work the crop fields. So he basically had, like, slave labor going on. Um, He had his sermons. This is crazy. Sermons were playing over an intercom system 24-7. So he's always in their ear. He's always talking to them. It's brainwash, 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 like constantly. Food supply was short. People were definitely suffering. It was hot. People were miserable. Um, He enforced more control. He wouldn't let them speak to their families or sometimes not even look each other in the eye. So, but it starts to get weird. Um, the control was so crazy. People were convinced that they were safer in Jonestown, though, than, than anywhere else. He had told them all the things going on in the outside world and that they had to be careful and protect yeah, themselves. Yeah, there's a lot of fear, fear. now. Yeah, a lot of fear. Anyone who disobeyed or threatened to leave would be removed from the rest of the group, injected with some sort of a drug, sedated, or severely beaten. So, it was not, you know, you, you didn't feel safe to be like, I want out of here. I don't want to do the same. Or like, that was not an okay thing to express. Right. But Jim Jones, he has had so much control over everyone. Um, and that was kind of easier because his followers were so exhausted. If you think about how and you tired feel. tired and hungry and you, hot and miserable. Yeah. Yeah. If you think about how susceptible you are to really anything at that point. And think about a child, like when they haven't had a nap mm. and like. <laughs> They're kind of delirious anyway. Yep. Um, so his followers were kind of in that sort of a state. He controlled their entire reality of their world and what they thought the world was. So he is full powerful control intervention. Operation Stop Jimmy. We're trying to <laughs> chill this guy out. So towards the end of of the cult, People's Temple, sorry, <laughs> interchangeably. Oh, um, yeah. Jim knew that things were starting to cave in. Mm-hmm. It was starting to become, it was, things were getting out of hand and he knew it. People started looking more closely from the outside at what was going on. Um, people started to investigate it because followers had left and began to tell their story. And everybody was horrified and almost in disbelief that something like this could even be happening. <laughs> so a really big um, character, person, um, in this story, not a character, he was a real person, but a yeah. big player in this entire thing and the downfall of Jonestown was Congressman Leo Ryan, who paid special attention to Jonestown, and he wanted to see it for himself. So he planned a visit, he wanted to see what was going on, and he was known for being this type of person, like a real man of the people that would mm-hmm. kind of go where no one else was going and like yeah. look into things that nobody else was like willing to look into. Mm-hmm. So... You know, this is kind of what he's known for. And um, Jim Jones couldn't handle someone coming in and taking his empire, so he kind of came up with a plan. He knew that Congressman Ryan was going to be coming, 
So he started grooming his followers um, on what to say. He coached them, and I've heard audio recordings of this, of exactly how they should respond to every single thing that they would be asked. Mm. Um, so, And they were all like, yes, yes, this is what we need to do. Because he's like, they're going to take our paradise away wow. if they think something's wrong. So here's paradise. what we if you're asked about this thing, here's what you say. So he had coached them. He also started grooming his followers to accept the idea of revolutionary suicide. And he had done this a lot with the inner circle, like I said, where he would pretend they were poisoned and they actually weren't. Um, like, so this was not a new thing. This is something he'd been prepping and working on for years. He, he knew what, how he wanted to end it all. He, he knew eventually, like, he had an escape plan, like an end game, mm -hmm. and it was always this big revolutionary yeah. suicide. So he had to kind of prep everybody so that they wouldn't um, protest, that they would go willingly. And most of them did, which is so interesting. Mm -hmm. But he uh, got this all ready. He planned it all out in advance. He had already purchased the cyanide. So he was that prepared. Meanwhile... Congressman Leo Ryan gets a group of people, including members of various media outlets, to go with him. And they all go to Guyana to check it out. So, the crazy thing is, he didn't think that they were going to be let in. He thought they would show up at the mm -hmm. gate, ask to be let in, have the media cameras, be turned away, and go home. Yeah. He had no idea that they were going to invite him in, and they did. So, that was, like, surprise number one. Um, so, they go in. They're, they're doing their thing. They're interviewing people. They're asking them, you know, are you happy? Mm -hmm. uh, how they felt? And, of course, they appeared happy, almost overly happy, like it was so rehearsed. Mm -hmm. um, and the audio of this is crazy, too. Yeah, I kind of want to look that up. Yeah, you should. You should. It's very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, there's they put on a big musical, like, presentation for him. They put on a big show for him. Like, it's a whole ordeal. Wow. And so Congressman Ryan is convinced that, Everything's good, like, but of course it had all been very rehearsed. So, oh, yeah. As he's getting ready to leave, this is wild, members quietly began slipping notes to the visitors that said things like, help me, and I want to leave, and I got chills. Yeah, I, I did too. Um, they confronted, so, you know, Jim and his, or, sorry, Congressman Ryan and his group confronted Jim about this, and he was extremely defensive. He was trying to do some damage control, but you could tell he was angry. Mm -hmm. At this point, things were really falling apart. Like, um, things got very emotional. An uproar took place, and at this point, people began vocalizing that they wanted to leave with the congressman and the guests. Wow. It got crazy. It got out of hand. So they thought something was going to happen. Like, they didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. And, um... Jim Jones is like, fine, you guys get out of here. So they start heading off to, you know, their plane. Mm -hmm. It's on the edge of the island. They all make their way over there. The The followers who were leaving were, were scared. And they were like, we need to get out of here. And he was like, no, it's fine. Like, you know, we're, we're about to leave. Everything's going to be okay. And they were like, you don't. You, don't <laughs> you should be scared, man. So this is what started the massacre. <sighs> Trigger warning. This is a lot. So they're waiting on their planes. Tensions were very high. Mm -hmm. Jim Jones got his armed guards to go after them mm -hmm. and told them, don't let anybody leave. So they think they're leaving. They think they've escaped. Really, the followers knew better. Mm -hmm. But the congressmen and the media, like, those... They're going to try something. They like, didn't feel like they were in any danger. They yeah. were like, no, we're going to leave. Like, they're not going to mm -hmm. do anything. Like, people know we're here. 
I think that was a part of it, too. Is like, no, mm-hmm. people know we're here. It would be obvious if they killed us. Or if they can't happened. do anything. Like, yeah, yeah we, we've got to get out of here. So, um, wow. this is so terrible. They're starting to board the plane, and they see the guards approaching them. Mm-hmm. These men open fire with assault rifles and begin killing them off one by one. So, it's mass chaos. Everybody's scattering into the rainforest trying to find safety. Mm-hmm. Congressman Ryan was shot and killed along with uh, the cameraman and several others. And so the, they're filming. Uh, they're filming yeah. during this. It's really? crazy. Yes. One survivor said he played dead after he was shot. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely gruesome. Five people died in that attack, including Congressman Ryan. Wow. The guards left once they thought everyone was dead. Now, Jim commands the mixing of the fatal cyanide punch for over 900 of his followers to then drink. Uh, and he also said, you know, he wasn't going to be taken alive. Mm-hmm. As far as Jim was concerned, they were all going down together. And with armed guards surrounding the pavilion, the citizens of Jonestown had the option to either drink the poison or be shot to death. Those, here's your, here's your two choices. too, right? Yes, we'll get into that as well. Okay. So, a few of the members... Tried to oppose it. It's all captured on the audio recording, which wow. is like really hard to hear. Um, the people who tried to speak up were immediately shut down. Jim kept saying, "Direct quote: Let's all just be done with it." Parents were then. Oh, this is so sad. Trigger warning again. Parents were instructed to force their children to drink the poison. Jim is telling them as it's happening, like. There's no pain. There's no convulsions. It's going to be easy. They're not crying because of pain. They're, like, telling them all this when it's cyanide. There's absolutely convulsing and foaming at the mouth. It's hideous. It's horrible. It's a slow death. Like, I believe it's the time to die is about seven minutes. Oh, God. It's it's awful. Like, to watch your child? Like, I can't. I can't. Um, so, like I said, 270 children died that day. They were the first to go. Um, it's it's so so awful. It's hideous. And also, uh, quoting over the audio, this is so awful. Jim is saying to his wife, Marceline, who who was really upset at this. Like I think she was trying to trying to stop this. Mm-hmm. Jim says, "Mother, mother, 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 please don't scare the children. It's medication. It's simple." Lay down your life with dignity, not fear. Don't do it this way. So that's his message. These children are literally frothing at the mouth and dying a horrible death. And Jim was then saying, direct quote, This is revolutionary suicide. We're protesting. Mm. And as people started to, like, panic when they realized this was really happening, he was started to rush them along. Come on, quickly, quickly, yeah, quickly, quickly. Yeah, he kept saying mm-hmm. the word quickly over and over. The recording is, like, so intense. Um, and I mentioned this at the beginning. Jim Jones himself did not die by cyanide. He actually died of um, what was believed to maybe be a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's discrepancy here because, also, he was found laying face up, eyes open, no glasses, on the table in the pavilion with a pillow under his head and a single gunshot wound. So there is a trusted member of the inner circle, I believe her name is Anne, who is believed to be the person who shot, shot Jim her. Jones and then put his head under the pillow. Because he didn't do it himself. Because she had to, like, 
Yeah. Make sure everyone, everything else had gone according. Like, she was so trusted that she was, like, trusted with the final details after him. Yeah, I don't feel like he did it himself. No. Um, all the deaths uh, took place on November 18th, 1978. A few more details about the deaths. Um, his last words. We set an example for others. We laid it down. Our revolutionary suicide is us protesting an inhumane world. 918 people in total died that day. 913 by some sources. Again, there's a little discrepancy there. There were only seven survivors of Jonestown. And the total time for the deaths from start to finish, four hours. Wow. If you think about the time it took um, for this to happen, where, you know, you were either... Distributing all of the... Yeah. Yes, and those, again, who didn't want to voluntarily take it were either shot or injected. There were several people, bodies found with um, syringes hanging out of them. So that was absolutely confirmed that that was one of the way, mm-hmm. one of the ways um, that the deaths were committed. Um, the leadership team was the last to die. So the last 13 mm-hmm. people to die were all leadership. So they made sure everybody else was dead first. Mm-hmm. They all went into Jim Jones' personal cabin. And that is where um, they... Were and the security guards, yeah, yeah, yep, those trusted people. So, mm-hmm. the aftermath we'll do the aftermath and then we're just gonna spend the rest of the time talking about chart stuff and anything else that pops up that I'm oh, yeah. gonna talk about and answer that I didn't <laughs> include in my notes because there's so much um, in my mind from this story. Um, so the images of the aftermath of Jonestown were so incredibly disturbing. Mothers were dead holding their infants. Families died holding hands. Bodies were literally everywhere stacked on top of each other. It was, again, more of a mass murder than a mass suicide with the number of people that um, did not go willingly. At least 300 were children and did not do this, you know, on their own accord. But you think about the number of adults who would have rather um, not... Who, yeah. who tried to oppose it as well, and they did not have a choice. Um, the public was so disturbed by this. They were given a phone number to call and claim their dead family members to get their bodies shipped back. Because nobody knew what to do with all these bodies. There's nearly mm-hmm. a thousand bodies. Yeah. And I know before we even decided we wanted to cover this story, I sent you mm-hmm. images mm-hmm. of the overhead, the aerial view of Jonestown, of what this looked like and how awful and sad mm-hmm. this so scene was. I mean, it's I've you, it's more than the casualty of war. When I found that survivor story, it mentioned how the um, how Guyana couldn't handle the cleanup, right? And they had to call the U.S. to come yes. help. Yes. Yeah. Um, and also, no cemeteries wanted to accept these bodies in the United States either. So this is part of like where the hotline was built mm-hmm. and people could claim bodies and they'd be shipped back to their wow. families to figure it out. Um, it's just, there's hundreds of unidentified bodies with nowhere to put them. It's just mm-hmm. so sad. Uh, family members of the deceased that had escaped the cult years earlier were just devastated and grief stricken. Um, it's hard to imagine the pain of the survivors. So like our hearts really go out to uh, those who survived and the family members of the victims that are that have survived like it's it's hideous it makes me want to cry 
uh, because people entered this group with hope, with compassion, and this vision for a united world and like this integrated community that like didn't exist where they were. Um, it's just one of the most terrible tragedies in human history. And after 1978, the People's Temple ceased to exist, and we can at least all be grateful for that. Let's please look at the charts before I start crying. <laughs> I'm really holding it together. Okay, right? okay, we can do that. <sighs> I'm exhausted from holding in the tears. All right. So, I pulled some more charts. Yes. Oh, that is the wrong window. Hey. <laughs> Um, the massacre was November 18th, 1978, and I pulled that up, so we have the transit. Um, what's interesting, I think, on this is it is, it was Scorpio season. Oh my god. It was right before I my, didn't my think birthday. about the date. I didn't yeah. think about it being November. Um, the sun is opposite his sun on the chart. Yeah. Just like the eclipses we're about to, mm -hmm. we're in the middle of. Yeah, it was like a, like a semi-personal eclipse, you know? <laughs> um, oh yeah, it was, a, it was this opposition for his son. Um, let's see, what else is going on? At the, around the timing for that location, the, what was on the horizon would have been in like, let's see, it moves into Gemini at, at like four ish maybe maybe a little before that like 345 so i guess kind of like when they were doing their interviews yeah is that like gemini probably i'm assuming Chattery. um and people started speaking up people started and people were talking voicing that they yeah. didn't want to be there around yeah. the time and then um 5 30 hits the ascendant still in gemini wow so this is right yeah so this is all yeah the shooting was 5 18 to 5 25 is what i saw um, so yeah, that's, that's while it was, um, having the shooting. I'm going to go to that exact time. And, oh, I like that. <laughs> right on the money. Yep, right on it. <laughs> this is kind of wild to look at, isn't it? Um, this is what the whole sky was doing right when this happened. Um, the moon was in the first house in Cancer. Uh, it would have been... Let's see, a waning quarter moon, almost a quarter moon. Um, there is there are some squares to the nodes from the ascendant, from like the horizon point. That puts the nodes also in uh, the tenth and fourth houses. Okay. Um, so when you've got the nodes in the the tenth house, it's a lot about a public thing, mm -hmm. right? So I think that's really interesting that this whole, um, was it debacle? That's a great word for what this is. That is this a, that's a good Started, um, I channeled that word. That's not a word I use. Um, kind of came up while it was on this place, public appearance. And they were putting on a show. Yeah, it was too. all, it's all tied in with like how this show was going, how the public was going to perceive them now. And how it was going to affect their home, which is the fourth house element of this. That, like, back and forth. Like, oh, this is, you know, for, especially for Jimmy, Jimmy Bob. Um, Jimba. Jimbaroo. Jimbaroo, Jimbaree. <laughs> um, he, yeah, he would have, I see why he was nervous. Um, this, the nodes were also hitting his Lilith 
and Folis was there on the nose. So this is all another like extreme events for him. Um, and it is triggering like a pretty like key point in his chart, in my opinion. Um, let's see. As we move forward, yeah. We I'm kind of thinking that the it probably took them at least like 20, 30 minutes to get back and like right. really get this thing going. So right. 6 p.m. is when it all moves, when the ascendant moves into Cancer. And we've got this four-hour window for mm -hmm. the events to actually be occurring. So Yeah, so it's all while the ascendant, the horizon, is in Cancer and Leo. Wow. And this is all kind of where Jim, Jim Baru, had his... Uh, Jupiter and Pluto, who's about death, um, and his Mars. So this is all him, like, really fulfilling out this, like, grand opportunity wow. of his, um, very related to death. It's, you know, it's in his eighth house, it's got Pluto, it's got <laughs> this, like, um, this obsession that he's really He's uh, been practicing this since he was a child at mm -hmm. the funeral home, like, crawling in the coffin. Yeah. So it's, even with the pillow under his head. Oh, yeah. Like, it's so... That's exactly what it made me think It's of. so extra. Like... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very flamboyant a little bit, isn't it? Mm -hmm. The way he does it. Um, yeah, there is a square from his Mars to his Chiron Sun situation. I think that is where some of this, like, maliciousness, like, comes through a little bit, too. Yeah. Um, so that's getting triggered at this point. Um, what... Something I think is kind of fascinating is uh, on the transit for this day, we have a conjunction with Mercury and Mars and Neptune and Sagittarius. Um, it seems like a, lo a lot of this kind of like exertion in a delusion or in a fantasy or in like mm -hmm. a, an illusion, um, something being grander than it really is. Um, but going on the journey of it, like, it's like going all the way, like, mm -hmm. and he even said that, like, we're, yeah. we're going there, we're going all the way, like, we're, we're leaving the world together, we're leaving this inhumane world, like, he made it this big, like, final destination thing for them all. He really did, and I, final destination feels right, feels yeah. like a good word for this. Yeah. Um. We're taking it all the way. It's kind of like a spiritual element with that Neptune. Yes. Um, like a belief system. You've gotten this like bigger thing and and you're taking action on it and you're talking about it and thinking about it. Like it's very, it does kind of like make sense for you this know, group. This is really strange. This is another added detail like, yeah. with the belief system and the shared belief system is his followers all the way to the end while everyone around them is dying. They were all taking turns getting on the microphone and thanking Jim Jones for everything he did for them and gave them and, like, for the wow. life that they had. So they're still expressing this grand gratitude and admiration through this, which mm -hmm. maybe that's some of the cancer in Definitely. Where they're they're getting in that, like... That's where my brain went with that... Mode um, of gratitude. That Jupiter cancer yeah. is getting triggered. Yeah. And the moon was there right on top of his Jupiter and yeah. Pluto that day. And his, and his feelings about that element to that obsession and that, like, opportunity. Like, it's very... And in the audio, you can literally hear crying in the background. You can hear suffering in the background. And people are just like, amen. But he's not going to care. He's in full Mars mode. Um, <sighs> especially because on this day, uh, guess what's right on top of his Mars oh. on this day? Oh, God. What? You want to guess? 
Lilith and oh, Jupiter man. and Jupiter magnifying the whole situation. Lilith there. Um, yeah, it's. Mm, I was gonna guess Pallas. <laughs> <laughs> no, that'd be so. No, 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 Pallas. Maybe Pholus. Pholus, that's what I always get them mixed up. Pholus is. I was the like, you weren't thinking of Pallas. No, you Pallas is the decision one. Yeah, I know. Pholus is the one. I know which ones you trip up. I gotta yeah, remember. Those are the two that always trip me <laughs> with asteroids. Like those, they're, they sound so similar. Uh-huh. So you trip those up, and then JC trips up this other thing, and I gotta remember what you that's guys really both funny. trip Shout up. Shout out, JC. <laughs> Um, I'm like, I know what you're saying, but like, yep, this, nope, yeah. you're right. That's funny. You, um, you would have known what I was thinking. <laughs> what I was meaning. I know what you meant. There's a reason I'm not the astrologer. I'm good at knowing what people meant. <laughs> yeah. I've not, noticed that I'm really good at that. I'm the crime person on this podcast. <laughs> I'm just an astrology enthusiast. <laughs> like, I feel like when people misspeak around me, other people correct them, and I'm like, no, but I knew what you meant. Like, you're good. Yeah. yeah. You understood. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Okay, um, anyways, uh, yeah, Jupiter and Lilith on his Mars this day, so he's probably been, this, those are, Jupiter especially moves kind of slow, so I feel like he was really, that, this was building up for him. Right, he bought the cyanide yeah. well in advance, and yeah. like, I think that was his backup plan, like, if anything goes wrong, mm-hmm. I've got this plan, and it might have been something that he went ahead and did anyway mm-hmm. after congressman ryan left like before anything could go yeah. any further like mm-hmm. his form of controlling it that might have been if it wasn't gonna go his way, way right. then we might as well just end game we got we're gonna yeah. end it all with this revolutionary season. trust me you guys don't want to keep playing we're just gonna be done now yeah that's what yes. it sounded like um, um one which of is the, honestly so capricorn taurus i just had a, I just had a <laughs> memory spark up so the the woman who again i believe her name was Anne, the one who potentially most likely shot Jim Jones, yeah. who was the last to die, um, Her she wrote a suicide note. Like She wrote a note. And the final line of it, let me make sure I get it correct, was we had to die because they wouldn't let us live. Like, uh-huh. we need the world at large. Like, yeah. They, yeah, this protest, this protest was obviously extremely successful. Mm-hmm. The world has changed all for the better now. Right. People truly believe that, um, like mm. the like soldiers were going to come and take their children and murder their children if they didn't do this. Like they thought the consequence yeah. of staying alive mm-hmm. was so much worse mm-hmm. than yeah. They had been brainwashed. This big revolutionary act, and to think that the people that did it willingly yes. were so deceived that they thought they were doing it for a good reason. Yes. It's so sad. Like um, it's also sad for the people that didn't want to die uh-huh. and got injected or killed anyway, but. The pe- also the people that wanted to do it, like it's they were so brainwashed. It's yeah. both ends of the spectrum when it comes to how sad it was and yeah. how deeply they believed. They didn't even die for their cause no. that they wanted. Yeah. They died for this man's delusion. Yeah, yeah. It's so sad. It's very it's sad. Tragic all around. Yep. Yeah. He. Um. I think he had an obsession for a long time, and he he kind of like propped him up with his issues, and he wanted to play the game of life and. Go about it, go about his goals, and uh, this was just like the right day for it. It seemed like it was the right opportunity, and I think that's kind of how he thought too. It had been building. Um, and it's like the very end of Scorpio season, too. Like, it's yeah. like almost on the cusp. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Vesta was back in Capricorn, and she was having a Vesta return. <laughs> So his devotion uh-huh. was there. Devoted yeah. to the cause. Devoted to what he wanted to do. Yeah. Devoted to being king of his little world. Yeah. Ugh. 
Um, this feels like real life Sims, like something people would do on a video game. You know what I mean? I have I I don't play video games and I've never played The Sims, <laughs> but I know it's one called People, right? Yeah, it's the People one. I don't really understand yeah. what you do there. Um, so I'm gonna take your word for it, and right. I feel like this reference is going to resonate with people. I was just very sheltered and never owned or played any. I think that'd be fun if we made you play Sims, but. <laughs> I think I'd be confused and have. I think you would be entertained by my response to what was happening. I would be like, very entertained, and I want to see it. I feel like maybe we should do, maybe we should do this for a Patreon episode. <laughs> my introduction to video games at thirty five years old. Yeah, can we please make you play Sims? Okay, I I will consent. Haven can help. She's good at Sims. I don't. How would you be good? at... We can talk about this. Later. Well, because I haven't played. Honestly, I haven't played Sims since like Sims two, and it's like Sims. Four or five or something. Okay, shit well, now. I'm so like she knows the updates. Basically, I'm just gonna reenact this town <laughs> with my Sims. Characters. Maybe Sims three. Maybe I played Sims three. Uh, it's been a long time, but there's been better versions of the game, and it's more complicated now. So you. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I probably need a dumbed down version. <laughs> It'll be okay. I can't get you Sims two. I don't think I can. Okay, well, well, I'll figure it out. Yeah, I'll, we'll, I'll, we'll, it'll try. You guys will coach me. <laughs> be good. Wow, we went off on a thing. <laughs> You'll start your little Sims cult. It'll be great. I I'm into this. Um, let's see. Yeah, so I think what people are going to know, remember from this day, the uh, Massacre Day, is just the sheer um, abruptness and violence of it. Um, because the Midheaven... Um, also the delusion, and like the... Mm -hmm. uh, that like... That culty um, group. Like, it's so grand. Spiritual issue. Like, yeah, because the Midheaven, like, she goes from Pisces into Aries during this time. Um, so I feel like that's that's really just how it became remembered. Too. The word that it's like keeps, Pisces, Aries. The word I keep getting is legendary. Like, legendary. that's really what this. Yeah. In yeah, the worst possible way. In the worst possible way, this was like... Mm -hmm. um, it's got kind of that fire, but that word has the fire of Aries, but also the like etherealness of yes, Pisces. That's yeah. the word that I got like six times, and I was like, I have to say this word. Yeah, I legendary. didn't want to say it, because mm -hmm. it felt like it was glorifying. It, it's, yeah, but, it's, but I know what you're meaning. That's not what I'm trying to do. I feel like that's what they yeah. felt they were doing. Yeah, I think people also saw it as like a step back in society, like in like what... Um, you know, we want for our world, you know, because the North and South Node is here. And yeah. It's kind of like, whoa, what? Like, We've regressed as, yeah. a, as a race of yeah. people, like as humans, we mm -hmm. have regressed somehow. It's also just the the devastation and just the disbelief that this could happen. Mm -hmm. Um, and and if you didn't know the whole story about how long people have been groomed for this. It does seem pretty unbelievable that that many people could die today. Like, how could they mm -hmm. do that? But, like, we went through how this all happened and yeah. how it culminated. It's really... You know, it's also his Chiron return at this day. <sighs> Chiron had also come all the way back around. Whoa. Interesting. Because mm -hmm. he had to just, like... That's his sun, sun conjunction. Yeah. That's his I remember he's saying that. So he had thing. to end his wounded healing journey. Uh -huh. He's got He's this was done. part of his Chiron journey. It's you just, guys, thank you so much for being part of it. Oh, God. He's so gross. He is so gross. He healed them all. His job is done. Oh, I hate it. He Chiron, he Chiron's all of them real good. Now, like, now game over. 
when you look at the psychology of him, it's hard to tell how much he believed in this himself and was invested in his own delusion mm -hmm. and how much he was just a sociopath who was extremely calculated and, and using, mm -hmm. you know, faking this compassion as a form of control and manipulation. Like, mm -hmm. it's really hard. It's a, it's a really blurry line to yeah, know what, what he did out of, like, delusions, the goodness of his heart, to how much, you know, the calculated manipulative factor. Mm -hmm. Like, it's all kind of one and the same. You can't tell where one ends and another begins. So it's hard to kind of break down his true psychology. Right. Because it, it, it you could argue both, which is kind of fun. That's kind of the fun part of psychology is mm -hmm. that you can really see both sides of the coin yeah. with him and like or maybe him starting out like we see him starting out as this compassionate person but it like was that all fake just to build the empire it's you can't really tell you can't tell, you can't tell. and he's well, such a chameleon when it comes mm -hmm. to that like it, the lines are so blurry and we don't see that a lot no. in this podcast usually it's very clear it's like oh okay yeah. They're getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And the, he did get worse, but it's like, you, you, at parts of the time, I think a lot of people were rooting for him. So yeah. it's very different. But there's one person who was there and saw all of it from start to finish, who I have. She was one of the survivors. Yes. Um, her name's Hyacinth Thrash. That's a cool name. Push the paper. Okay. Uh, Frank had a little spider web in his room, oh, and God. I left it. Oh, I'm so and look, look, there's the spider. <gasps> Isn't it so cute? Oh my god, I can't stop what we're doing to get a video of this, but I want to. Okay. Isn't it so cute? It's so I cute. left it there. There's another one. Oh, oh yeah, she might have a friend. I didn't check. Oh my god, there's multiple spiders. Yeah. I'm so excited. Okay. Okay. Frank, you're missing. Okay. okay. <laughs> he's it's, the mother of these he's spiders. He's the unsung hero of the He's podcast. the mother of spiders. He's the father. They're all... He's dead. They were born in a fruit cage. <laughs> he's their father. Okay. okay, all right. Okay, okay, we got distracted. Okay, so Hyacinth, um, she was one of the early converts who followed, fo followed, who followed Jones. I, Jones. I do like that. Um, she followed Jimmy Jones, <laughs> and um, let's see, she survived Jonestown on November eighteenth by hiding under her bed. So once she heard that um. something went weird at the airport. She, I guess she got, she heard of something. And so she hid then before they even got anything Wow. Going. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, um, so, because I, I was thinking, like, she what would there, I have done? She stayed there for, like, five hours, though. Oh, longer she than that. She didn't come out till the next day. Um, so she, let's see, she survived Jonestown on, uh, on November 18th by hiding under her bed. Her and her sister joined the People's Temple in Indianapolis in 1957. Uh, so she was there a long time. Wow. Uh, but in the months leading up to November 18th, she saw troubling changes in Jones and the church. She had begun in Indiana as an enlightened, racially integrated Christian ministry uh, in the 1950s, and it had turned into an armed camp of fear, brutality, and paranoia deep in the South yep. American jungle. Yeah. She was living in a cottage she shared in Jonestown with three other older women. One of her roommates told her that something had happened at... Port Katuma, if that's how you say it, airport, yeah. where the congressmen from California were taking off with the, the with some temple defectors. She hid under the bed and didn't wake up until the next morning. When I got outside, she said in an interview before she died, it was like a ghost town. I didn't oh. see or hear anybody. 
I went over to another senior citizen building where my friend Birdie lived. When I got to the door, I saw Birdie sitting in the chair draped in a sheet. I could tell it was Birdie by her shoes. I say, Birdie, Birdie, what's wrong? But she didn't move. I looked down at the row of beds, and it goes into her, you know, Talking about all the bodies, and she's mm-hmm. realizing and putting yeah, it together. Yeah, so that's just a little oh snippet from God. this site um, where I was reading her, <laughs> her uh, info. But that's I thought that was, like, the main gist of this, is that yeah. she started really following this as she this was grand, of, she was an OG. thing. Yeah. She was an OG follower mm-hmm. who followed him from Indiana mm-hmm. to California mm-hmm. to Guyana and managed to survive Jonestown Massacre. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And it sounds like there were some other survivors, but this is the person I found the most right. information on. So her chart, she was born on March 25th, 1902 in uh, William Wilsonville, Alabama. And I don't have a time. Um, but we got a whole date. So that's good. It's from 1902. 1902. Yeah. Like, you know, this is early. Yeah. This is very early. Uh-huh. So she's an Aries, um, which I kind of think is part of why she why she did well. Like, she's got Aries and Mars conjunct with Pallas in... Did I say Aries and you Mars? You her son? Yes. I, see, I knew what you meant there, but I was like, but this, Yeah, I'm sick. I'm not feeling good. Um, her son and Mars are together with Pallas and Aries. Um, and her... It, on her noon chart, her midheaven is there, but we don't really know her midheaven. Um... There's a grand shrine from her son over to Pholus and Lilith. And Pholus mm. hits right where uh, Jim's Mars hits on his chart. And then uh, the Lilith up in Sag is reminding me so much of the... Um, it's in his 11th house, but on the transit chart, it's reminding me of all that stuff that was over in Sagittarius. Um, I feel like she just has really good placements to have like played this out just right. Yeah. Um, Luck was on her mm-hmm. side for sure. Yeah. Uh, she she was able to kind of like figure things out by like the um, what's that phrase? The something of your pants. The seat of your the pants. Seat of your Flying pants. by the seat of your pants. Yeah. I'm good at old timey phrases. That's what I need. So, yeah, I'm here. That's what I need because I don't remember them enough to use them, mm-hmm. but they come up when they feel right. Yeah. Um. So yeah, she. I feel like that's kind of what she did, and that worked out really well. Um, I can see why she's so, you know, wanting to be helpful and caring, um, wanting to be part of something that is really great for everybody. She's got Jupiter in Aquarius, Venus in Aquarius, um, her Mercury's in Pisces. I'm sure she had a really nice little like flow. Similar placements. Yeah, you do. That's really cool. But also, my birthday is. Close to hers, but yeah, but yeah. she's born a little after you. A little bit after, yeah. You might have got them wrong. They're similar. Um, her Chiron is in Capricorn, which is um, conjunct Vesta in Capricorn. It's also her Vesta return. Wow. Um, so I think she was seeing like this epitome of a cycle for herself as well. Mm-hmm. Her, it was also part of her Chiron journey, mm-hmm. um, and her Vesta journey. She also has Saturn in Capricorn. So I see kind of, like, why she related to him at first, and then when it got bad, she was like, whoa, dude. <laughs> she was able to actually see yeah. it, though. She was able to step out of that. She was one of the people that. that were definitely like, okay. Um, but knew she had to play it just right, 
Yeah. Yeah. Where There's she didn't do anything. Yeah. Involved here. But it's almost felt like an intuitive strategy. Yes. Not that, not that she's not she a calculated strategy. It doesn't feel calculated. Yeah. Based on her chart. She followed like, her gut instincts and was like, I gotta hide out. But here. she does have little sneaky sneaky. She's got North Node and <laughs> Scorpio. Um. But at the time, I wanted to look at like her chart compared to the transit of mm-hmm. it because like, man, five something or other, it would have been hitting her. Like, about the time that she hid. Yeah, because that's what I want to figure out. Yeah. When, when she hid, what it was hitting. And the moment she heard shit was going down, she, like, went into this uh-huh. survival mode that was, like... Genius. Yeah, genius. It was and the only so way, because if you left, like, people fled, some people fled into the woods, but also, like, what are you going to... Where are you going to go? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um... That's cool that she's one of only seven people who survived this and and didn't even know what had happened. She just knew that she wasn't going to be part of whatever was going down. Something big was going down that mm-hmm. she needed to escape somehow and protect herself. So it's really... For real. So lucky. Amazing. So this would have been hitting her Neptune. The, the Ascendant would have been coming up on her Neptune during the shooting, so and probably, like, while she heard about it. Um, so I see that I kind of, like, play into, like, her her belief system and, like, what she needs to do. Mm-hmm. Since we talked about Lilith and Jupiter being in Leo, where, where Jonesy Brew, Jonesy Boy's, uh, Jonesy Brew? Jonesy Brew? I'm just saying stuff. I know, you're Jonesy Brew. I like it. <laughs> Jones and Brew um, has his Mars there in Leo, uh, but she has her Solus there, so it's making this nice trine up to her sun and Mars, so I see kind of like her taking action to survive being really fast, really um, a great opportunity for her. Um, it was also Jupiter oppositions for her, so this Jupiter activation, this luck that we, you were talking yeah. about. Um, let's see. Neptune stuff, right? What are we talking about? Yeah, it was Neptune opposition as well. Um, so I kind of like these oppositions coming up because sometimes when we see like these critical deaths, sometimes they're like um, more like uh, returns. Mm. So maybe the oppositions could signify not yet. <laughs> but um, let's see. Chiron was on her south node, so she was definitely in a place where she was probably already feeling kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah, because when your Chiron's on your south node, you're feeling like, oh, all this this traumatic stuff is holding me back, like mm-hmm. one way or another. Um, but she, her heart was focused on what she needed to do, because her north node had um, Venus transiting it in Scorpio. That's pretty intense. Venus and Scorpio is pretty intense. You're doing what you need to do. You're, you care about what's really important when Venus goes through Scorpio. Um, Which it is right now. Yeah. It's a very deep type of, like, feeling placement. So I think um, also for her to recognize that maybe she's not loyal to him during this time. Yeah. It's pretty intense. And it was retrograde. Do you remember the last time we had Venus retrograde in Scorpio? Oh, God. 
Awesome. Remember how that felt? Yeah. I don't like They were all going through this, that feeling. I don't too. like any time that Venus is in retrograde. <laughs> I always feel it really strongly, but yeah. Yeah, they were going through that. All of them. For Jonestown. Wow. Uh, but a lot of them ended up still dying. Most of them. Yeah. Ooh, Uranus was in Scorpio. Mm. Man. That's a lot. A lot going on on these charts. Hers is really fascinating. Um... I see kind of how she got lucky and how she resonated with Jim's chart and how yeah. she was, um, her placements lined up for her to make this her opportunity to, to, to make it through. She survived it. Be kind of clever about it. Yeah, she survived it. And thank goodness, because, like, what a story mm-hmm. to be able to tell and awful. It's really awful. Yeah. Yeah, can you imagine, like, waking up the next day? <laughs> and going to check on your best friend? You, everyone in your neighborhood's dead. Oh, my God. Everyone around your town is dead. But you knew something was going down, and you were like, mm, I think I'm going to hide and sleep through this, because this seems like not something I want to be a part of. Whatever's going down, I'm just going to, like... Yeah. Just going to, like, escape it, but in a way that's like, I'm going to hide and escape, and then just, like, waking up to it. Yeah, that's intense. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else uh, that you want to talk about on the charts? Are we? Yeah, I just really like this hidden in plain sight thing with the Neptune. Mm-hmm. With the Neptune, and she was thing coming up. Very much hidden in plain sight yeah. while all this was going down. It's crazy. Like I'm isolated, but I'm like not. Part I'm in the of middle it. of it. Also, yeah. like wow. <laughs> well, with that said, everybody, that is Jim Jones and the Jonestown massacre, and even a survivor chart which was a fun little surprise there at the end a little extra a little extra so thank you guys so much as always for everything you do for our podcast the one of the best things that you can do for us it would really help us a lot is if you rate and review um our podcast it doesn't really matter what you say but the ratings are really important that's how a podcast moves up the charts that's how you get found that's how you get seen um by more people so from a business standpoint, it is the most helpful thing you can do for any podcast that and you And share with people yeah. you think that would like it. Make sure you share. Make sure you, uh, you know, like us, subscribe to all the things that we're doing. Follow us on social media. Stay connected with us. Uh, join our Patreon if you want some extra perks and want some behind-the-scenes footage. We do a lot of fun stuff on Patreon. It's one of my favorite <laughs> things. And also, Patreon gets special discounts on any cool things we do, like the workshop. Mm-hmm. Um, like readings from each of us. We offer Patreon like a, a perk there. We have all sorts of specialties. Anything that we do that's like cool and fun, we roll it out to Patreon first. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but thank you all for everything. If you uh, want any merch, if you want anything else, any other information about what we've got going on, just go to darkalignmentpodcast.com. Very simple. Um, super simple. Super simple. Uh, just, and do as, wait, just do it. Just so do simple. it. <laughs> Well, as always, thank you guys. Please continue to love yourselves and always, first and foremost, be sure to chart all the bitches in your life and we'll see you later. (laughs) Bye.